And we are here for another episode of Two Canters Walk Into a Bar. I am Cantor Matt Axelrod of Scotch Plains, New Jersey, and I have walked into this wonderful bar with... Cantor Penny Myers of Buffalo, New York. The effervescent... Effervescent, vivacious, trepidatious... Ebullient, loquacious... Yeah, the, I am the, salacious. The gregarious. Gregarious. If the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. That's not gregarious. Well, OJ that's, was from Buffalo. That's litigious. <laughs> here we go. All right, but here we are again. And we are two characters that have walked into a bar. We have already ordered our first round of Old Fashioned. That's right. Ready. We're ready. So this week's topic is we're talking all about issues of interfaith marriage and intermarriage and how it affects what we do, how we do it, and how we relate to different members of our congregation. Right off the bat, we need to say that, Penny, you serve a reformed congregation That's right. in Buffalo. In Buffalo. I had to get that in there. <laughs> um, if you were not going to ask, I was going to and, volunteer that. Of course. In, in beautiful western New York. It is gorgeous. I serve a conservative congregation. So coming right out of the gate, how we view these issues and how we deal with them professionally are different and they're defined very much by our movement's uh, stance on it. and well, our synagogue's movements. That's what I mean. Right. Okay. Actually, that's okay. So that's a good distinction because probably I would say, at least in my case, maybe your case, our movement's positions on interfaith issues, intermarriage, do not necessarily reflect our own personal. And I think that's where we oh. get into into some uh, areas of conflict and you know we, we get into some trouble spots. Um, I personally am much more liberal under certain circumstances would, for instance, uh, would be willing to perform an interfaith ceremony, an interfaith wedding ceremony, marriage. Um, I am not even given the option of doing so by the conservative movement at this time. Now, I think that's going to change, but that, that's uh, maybe another discussion or a later discussion. Uh, but I don't have that, uh, I don't even have the choice to do it. Uh, Penny, what's your, do you, do you perform interfaith marriages? Would you like to? Would you prefer not to? What's expected? Now, before I let you answer, sorry, I've got to head you off at the pass. You are a member of the Cantor's Assembly. And my credential is through the Camp Cantor's Assembly, that's right. which is a subsidiary of the United... We, well, we're an affiliate of the Conservative Movement. Right, United so, USCJ. So even, even though you serve a Reformed congregation, USCJ, I guess... USCJ. USCJ. United USCJ. Right. And, but you are bound by, at least in writing, you're bound by... Um, uh, the rules of the conservative movement, even though you serve a reformed congregation. But go is, ahead. What? Which is really, I gotta say, you know, you know, it's 2019. You know, we either I think that I think that you know any religion, and particularly Judaism, and I can speak with some authority about Judaism, that we actually have to embrace couples and families as a whole rather than as a part. And at Temple Beth Zion, at my synagogue in awesome Buffalo, New York. <laughs> good product placement. Good. Yes. You know, it is it is really hard for me to say no when people ask me to participate and or officiate. But you have to. You have to say I no. I have to say no, not because of my own personal beliefs. My brother is intermarried. Not because of my religious beliefs, but because at the end of the day, I am a credentialed cantor. 
my credential well, you're, comes you're, from the conservative exactly, movement. Exactly. At the end of the day, I may not always forever and ever and ever amen be employed by Temple Beth Zion. I'm not saying that I'm leaving and I'm not saying that they're getting rid of me, but the fact of the matter is it's like being a lawyer or a doctor, you know, at the end of the day you have your medical license. It's not the institution that you work for. You have to abide by the rules of the governing All right. body. And so it's it's hard and right. this is a So does your um, does your rabbi or the various rabbis that you've worked with while you've been there, do they perform interfaith marriages? And then does it become awkward when they were, were your rabbi will officiate, but you cannot even co-officiate? You can't participate in it? It does, but I find it's almost a teachable moment for them to get to know me in a way that they didn't know before because... You know, most because I've been at my synagogue for 13 years and I've been part of the conservative movement in my credential for more than half of that time. Most of my congregants actually already know that I cannot, that it's not that I don't want to, that I just, I am unallowed. I'm right. not allowed to perform or participate so in they, interface. So they, they know not even to they come and ask They still ask. You. Actually, they, oh, I almost fell off the back of my chair. Too much You're drinking too here. Wow. <laughs> she almost fell I'm, off of her bar stool. You know, why should today, <laughs> why should today be different than any other day? No, it's, it's really, you know, I, I think, you know, it's funny because congregants are typically very, sheepish about asking you know Cantor my daughter's getting married the fiance is not Jewish we'd love to have you we know that you couldn't do it before are you allowed to do you have permission to and and it breaks my heart that they whenever people ask me that I have to say no because of the strictures that I am I, well, I, my I'm, credential, and, and that's and that's like more than half of my congregation. And, and I feel the same way. You know, I think that certainly the attitude towards interfaith marriage is different within the reform movement versus the conservative right. movement. However, we all know what the reality is out there, and we know that you know, regardless of whatever report you read and statistics, what, whatever the percentage is, it's a significant percentage of Jews who are seeking non-Jewish spouses. So I say that with no level of judgment at all. It just is. That's the reality. That's the fact. And we, can and we have to meet, as I always like to say and have said in other episodes, we have to meet the people where they are. That's and right. And we are not doing that. Maybe it, it, interfaith marriage is more common in the reform movement than conservative, but whatever. It's the same thing. How where I get, Well, I get congregants or you know families, longtime members... Their kids, if, if they are engaged to a non-Jewish uh, fiancé, there's a level of sadness because they know, much as, as you were saying, they know that they cannot, that either our rabbi or I cannot perform or participate in their marriage. And it becomes a giant barrier. We're, we're literally, right. not even figuratively, we are literally turning these people away. That's right. Here they're coming to embrace us, make meaning of our lives, help us to make ritual meaningful to us in a way that is relevant to us now. And and unfortunately, you know, not all movements of Judaism are, you know, as progressive as the reform movement. And, and I, I don't even think it's an issue of progressive. I, I think... You don't? I, I don't. I think it's just not... 
it's it's just not embracing the reality. It, in a way, who marries we, them? Then let me ask you this, because okay. my rabbis will will marry. Okay, well, I don't really know because I'm not there. So they will find. So what they'll have to do is probably find a reform rabbi that will perform intermarriages. Uh, in many cases, it will be someone they have no connection with. That, and see, that's, that's and I know, and it's something. To, like, it, it's awful, and they, and they feel the same way. It, it's really something that they that they mourn for that oh, they don't have that connection. Um, and you know, so we will. It'll be something like a renter rabbi that they will find somebody to officiate. Um, with zero connection, zero right. history, very little, but very little right. connection with the family. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, Matt and I are in these unusual situations where we've been serving our pulpits. We're now marrying, at least I know that I am in my my career at my synagogue. I'm now beginning to perform the weddings of my students. Right, and, and I'm doing that all the time now. And there's nothing in the world. I, I, call, it my, I call it my longevity dividend. I've been there for so long that this is the payoff now that I get to marry I get to perform the weddings for all of my old bar mitzvah students who are now in their 20s and 30s and in some case their early 40s believe it or not um and it Wait is, a second, it, I'm doing the math. Don't do the math. You'll, do, hurt, you'll hurt yourself. You're you'll not hurt, that old. I'm that old. I'm, well, it's really? not that I'm that old, it's that I started that young. Oh, yeah. Nice, I, nice try. Well, no. You are very long in the tooth. I am long in the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's just, now, now it's just an assumed... I know. Now, now we, well, uh, you are long in the tooth. I, yeah, he does okay. have these long, like, canine things. I, yeah, maybe, and that must be where the expression comes from. I don't know. Um, saber tooth. <laughs> the saber tooth canter. <laughs> But there's such a connection when, when you are with these families and, and you've known you these kids since elementary school and them. middle school and bar mitzvah and then, and, and then high school and then they go off in, into their world college and then their families are still members and then they're adults and they come and they, and they have met someone and they want you to perform the marriage. Right. There's nothing better than that and, it's, and it, it just it keeps them connected to the community. It keeps them connected to Judaism. Now imagine all that that entire scenario and then they come in and you're like no sorry I cannot perform your, your marriage right. and that happens I've said that that happens too and you know what I gotta tell you can I just jump in right now because it's just something just occurred to me go ahead I'm gonna get uh, another round you should get uh, because I, I you know I, I barely touched mine but okay. just get me one for later you got it what really just occurred to me is that my congregants will follow up with the question of well why can't you know why won't why won't the reform movement credential me well, well and they, I'll tell well, you why well the can I mean can't they? Well, you, this is this is the sticky wicket. Did you say sticky wicket? <laughs> it is a bit of a sticky wicket. <laughs> I'm wrong in the tooth, and it's a sticky wicket. Oh, good lord! Too much simple syrup in this old fashioned. No, what's your, it is a, what's, what's your sticky wicket, Penny? My sticky wicket is that because my credential came through the work of a certification or apprenticeship program talked about in an earlier right, episode. Right, conservative movement. The reform movement, the Organization of Professional Cantors, the ACC, the American, the American Conference, Conference of, of Cantors, Cantors, refuses to recognize my credential from the conservative well, movement. You would have to pass an entire series of tests. Well. Much like I would have to. No. Because you're a graduate of the Jewish Theological Seminary, or if you were a graduate from AJR, or Hebrew College, or even the Reconstruct... I say even, but Reconstructionist College. (laughs) Even? (laughs) I don't mean it like that. (laughs) 
you know, you know, it didn't matter. You know, if you were, if you went to those seminaries and received your credential, the series of of exams that you take could be taken in an afternoon. For me, who went through the cantorial intern of the Cantor's Assembly, because the reform movement, this is, and this is exactly the opposite problem in the reform movement that the conservative movement has right now with the interfaith families. Um, because they don't, for whatever reason, don't recognize that syllabus and the completion of those 11 exams that I took, I either have to attend Hebrew Union College for the five years or take their similar, but not the same, certification program with a minimum of three years of completion. So, so in other words, no, no matter how stringent, you can't just take a series of exams. They won't allow me, no. Because okay. They don't recognize the certification right. program. Because I, one time in my career, looked into joining the ACC, and it was just a, a series of... You know, there but was an exam and and some right. and inter, you know essays and I, you know that's it. I, I could have done. I just never followed up on it. There was no need at that point in my career to do it. I'm a very happy and active member of the Cantor's Assembly, and I am as well because they have embraced me. Okay, we we do love, but that brings us back to the fact that it is an and affiliate of the conservative movement, and you right. are. And, and, and it's not just you. We have many, many colleagues that serve non-conservative synagogues. We have many, many colleagues. Right, that serve non-conservative synagogues, and they are in the same boat where they, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. one is in the same what, boat. What do you I think? Do you think that we I might have colleagues that do actually perform interfaith marriages and we just and they just don't say anything and because they're in communities and synagogues where that's just the norm and, you know, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission kind of thing? I I would venture to guess because the stringency because it is so strict mm -hmm. and and we who are you know in the pulpits recognize this dire pivotal time in the in the in, in Judaism I suspect that there are more colleagues actually participate in some way in interfaith with certain requirements of no names, publicized, no no video, you know, right. you cannot right. put, you know, this. But I, I suspect I suspect that there are. Do I know that for a fact? Right. No, but I, right. My my problem with the whole with the whole issue is that we are caught in this awful vicious cycle. Yeah. We take. I mean, think of a, a young couple. They're your most vulnerable Jewish. Like you're on, birds. Right, they're on the verge of a Jewish lifetime. And they can go anyway. They're they're walking. They're walking the precipice. They in there. They they can go anyway. They come in, and they want to be. They ask, "Can you do the marriage?" And you, no, sorry, we can't do it. And we have now shut the door. We shut the door. We've pushed them away. And then, and then later, they want to maybe join a synagogue, or they want to. You know, they're having if, kids. If, if they have, you know, they have kids, they, and they yeah. want to educate the kids. And no, they but they might want to join synagogue. And why are we so surprised when they have no up. interest in joining our synagogue or joining any synagogue because we, we've, it, we've just put up barriers and we shut doors in their faces. And think about if it could be the opposite, if we could welcome them in. And it's not a matter of we're losing numbers, we're losing, you know, we're... we're we're diluting the Jewish religion and, and it's the death of the Jewish religion. It's the opposite. We're creating the death of the Jewish religion by putting up these barriers. Instead, if we invite people in 
and we show them how wonderful and inviting, they're going to want to live a Jewish lifestyle and to be active and to raise their children Jewish. I'm really convinced that we have been thinking about it completely wrong I agree. for generation, for I, generations. Generations, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, even within the confines of my synagogue, we are extremely liberal with the participation that we allow for non-Jewish parents and non-Jewish spouses. Mm-hmm. Far be it from us to actually make the designation that someone can't participate in their child's bar or bat mitzvah service because they are of not it's, it's the a, Jewish faith and they've supported, yeah. they've learned. We even give a non-Jewish and, and, blessing on Yom Kippur. And, and they're doing the right thing because, because think about it, when you have the, the interfaith marriage, the whole crux of the issue is, are you going to bring up the children Jewish? Right. And then they're doing it and they're doing everything right. They're doing everything right. And, and then we are doing, we are doing and then we're saying, well, the future You're right still now. a second class citizen in our eyes. Yes. And you've we're still... We're putting them back in the ghetto. And it's, it's just... I, 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 it really is, We've though. completely stigmatized an entire class of people. And which, is, which is becoming larger and larger of those disenfranchised, disassociated, right. or not even right. self-identified. We, we should stop classifying couples or families as interfaith, and we should start thinking about who's active and who's not active. Who wants to affiliate with synagogues, and who wants nothing to do with organized religion. Because that is what we're that's what we're creating when we when we marginalize so-called interfaith marriage families I we're, want you to know Matt you have been so you've taught me a few things in this in this session in fact I taught you how to to make it old-fashioned you taught me how to make it old-fashioned that's number one but number two I am definitely buying today's drinks the, today's oh, because awesome. you have been stringing awesome Pearls of wisdom. Wow! From the mouth, of, who knew? Matt <laughs> Axelrod. I'm sorry, Cantor. Cantor, Matt, Matt Axelrod. That's, that's right. That's I prefer right. to be refer right. to as my I, I title. Will, I will not be so shrill. Okay, so. That, that that's fine. Okay. Um, and and also another, I, I don't. Again, I don't know if this is a common policy among other conservative synagogues. It used to be at our own. Is not anymore. This goes back a while. But when a uh, e- even if we did have uh, interfaith families that would join, if you know later or the children of children, or if there was a grandchild that was born, right. and that child was born to an interfaith family, and the grandparents were still members of our synagogue, we would not allow a Muzzle Tov announcement to be made because it was. I mean, yes, and and if those of you who can't see, Penny is staring at me with her mouth agape. I am. In, I am in horror. Yes. I'm in horror. And and. If you can even imagine how how that would make anybody feel, we we do not have that policy anymore. It, it's an, how long have you not had this policy? A, a, a while, not not a long while, but a while, and it was really something you that even, you, because not even like a birth announcement. That is right, that's a shanda. Right. Or or let, let's even take it let's take it down a notch for a second. What if you have a family that's been a member? You know, they've been members for a long time. Their kid. Uh, is now an adult child in their 20s, 30s, something like that, and is now getting married. It's going to be an interfaith marriage. Okay. Um, you know, we're not That's doing it, but, but, they're, but they're having it. Okay. Right. So they would like a wedding announcement. They would like a muzzle tough for whoever, da da da, marriage to, you know, non Jewish person. You don't actually Do you, say non Jewish no, person. No, but I'm just saying like right. some non Jewish person. Do you make the announce? Do you announce it school? as a muzzle tough announcement? Heck yes. Okay, so we, we don't. 
I, I would say we don't do that now because it's an inter interfaith marriage. I, I have to say I'm not 100% sure of the policy, but the, the pushback on that, if we did relax the policy or if the policy were relaxed, the pushback is you get from other families whose kids have married within the faith, and then their, their attitude is, well, we did the right thing, and... Wait, wait, that's what they don't say, we did the right well, thing. Well, they don't say it out loud, but that's, I believe, their feeling, is that, well, why are you rewarding when it runs counter to what, you know, How we, do you reconcile that? Like, uh, how, how do you respond? I, I... Defer to the rabbi. Well, yeah, so luckily I, I have the luxury of being able to, to kick that upstairs. Uh, is his office really upstairs? It is not. It's an oh. it, I'm just using that as an expression. Oh. Um, but I, I can punt. I can, can punt, punt the issue. Yeah. It, it's very difficult because I feel very strongly that it's the wrong attitude. We should be, it, it, we should be using all positive verbs, embracing down, and bringing in, doing everything we can because to welcome Because I think engagement is going to follow. You of hear course. everyone talking about, oh, relational Judaism right. or engagement practices. I think engagement actually starts not from the top down and not from staff driven and not from anything, but I think it's community driven. And if you are in a community where you feel valued and you feel recognized and acknowledged, you are going to be inspired or compelled to be engaged. Whereas if you are looking at people about to embark on a new life together, having a child or a grandchild, and you know, one of the spouses is not Jewish. And P.S. in Reform Judaism, matrilineal and patrilineal. That's descent. right. We, we didn't talk about that, but that's that's a huge part of it because mm -hmm. if if um, if assuming you have a you know a male female marriage, okay, so we, we need to address that. Not all yeah. you know, of course, not all marriages are um, of both genders, but the, if the female, if the wife is not Jewish, then there's an issue with the children needed to be converted at birth or later um, because conservative Judaism only recognizes patrilineal, um, I'm, I'm sorry, matrilineal descent. Um, Does, you'll, and forgive me because I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I, I'm not fully, like I know, I know my movement and I, you know, the movement that I, of the synagogue I serve. Um, does conservative movement celebrate same-sex couples. Yes, yes. And so as a member of the Cantor's Assembly, you and I, we are both free. Yes, to, and I've done... Right, yeah. so, so, yes. As long so the, as they're Jewish. So the, right, so the answer has to be yes, because you've done them, and you're a member of the Cantor's Assembly. We are absolutely allowed, um, all conservative clergy are allowed um, to perform same-sex marriages, which... Is ironic, because... It, it, it is ironic, because a, it... Moses was intermarried for crying out loud, people. Come on, it, let's go back to Torah. It, it's really interesting. It, it was absolutely the right thing to do. I mean, 100%. How fast same-sex marriage was was really streamlined through the conservative movement. Right. Um, how long did that process take? A couple I, years? I, I don't... It's well, that? maybe a little more than that, but, but really fast, the way these things go. And I am convinced that intermarriage has to be the same way. That it will eventually... It Right now... I mean, it, it's all about the people who make the decisions, and there's no indication that right now shifting. that 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 the shifting. But I think it's going to shift, and it has to shift. And what this reminds me of is, I don't know if you followed the news a while ago, the um, United Methodist Church. Yeah. 
the the whatever whatever their hierarchy or whatever their headquarters grand convention, they rejected um, certain issues about LGBTQ. Did I say? Did I get all those initials right? LGBTQ. Um, thank you. And I'm, I. Thank you. It's it's um, as far it's as a lot of old as far as clergy and so forth, and it created a huge uproar in the rank and file in the various congregations, and there's going to be some kind of schism within within the church and I think that that we eventually might be looking at the same thing in the conservative movement if they don't get their act together and if they don't at least give the option to their clergy to perform intermarriages under whatever criteria that they decide that if, if a rabbi or cantor wants to say, I will perform an interfaith marriage if, if. I can be assured that it's going to be a Jewish household, right. let's say. Yes. Or if they've committed to me that they're planning on raising the, the children Jewish. Jewish. Now, again, these are, these are different hoops, hypothetical. Sure. Others would just say, I'm not making any, I'm not putting conditions on people. That's presumptuous of me to do that. I will do everything I can to make Judaism welcoming and to, and to create a welcoming environment. Right. So it can be different things. Or a, or a rabbi or candidate would say, I'm sorry, this goes against my personal beliefs and I'm not comfortable f- performing an interfaith marriage. And that's valid too, as long as I think that we have the option. Option to actually cater to right. the masses. Right. And I think that we have a responsibility and a duty to answer and meet our people where where they're at, yeah. and and you know, un, you know, it's not unfortunately, it's just the reality. This is where our world is, and we either open the door wide enough to let all of those in, or the walls of the tent are going to be like an iron curtain that's going to shut an entire level of generation of Judaism and of possibilities. Because of being ukshe oraf, right? We're going to be ukshe oraf. We're going to be stiff we're sti- Yeah, we're we're, we're going to be we're, we're going to um, be so stubborn that we're just we're it, putting a stumbling block in front of the blind right, right now. And the Torah specifically says not to do that. If we want to take a lesson from Torah, I remind all of our interfaith families: Moshe, Moses Rabbeinu, was married to Tzipora. Sipora was a Kushite woman. It was an interfaith wedding. It was an interfaith marriage. I, I, I also believe that... Uh, I don't know, because we don't talk about it all that much, but I bet a ton of our colleagues feel exactly the same way. And are afraid to even say anything. I'm not afraid right. to say anything. I, clearly, I mean, with a couple of passions <laughs> in me, I mean, my goodness. I might even you, remember, you, like, what state I'm in right now. You've never been afraid to say I've, anything, Perry. No, I know there are yeah. moments I yeah, am okay. afraid. Okay. I am fearful to say what I think, especially in the podcast, especially when I recognize that there's going to be lots of different listeners listening to this, well, but it's important in my In know. my congregation, when this comes up, um, peop, I, I will express this. I will say... If I had my choice, I would do this wedding. That's what I say. But I'm not allowed to. So I, I've, I, it's not that I'm hiding behind policy. I, I've made my wishes known. I've, I've made my opinion known on this. Right. Um, right. And, you know, and I think that it's... I, I bet it's more common than not. And that's why I think that the movement eventually will have no choice but to make changes because... 
the rank and file members are, it's just, it, the pressure is just going to be overwhelming. Well, I, th- I think that that's exactly right. And especially as we're looking at like the scope and, and, and what the projections look like of what, what, where we should be at, even as community or synagogues or even as an institution where it'll be even five years, 10 years. You know, once you, once you get past 10 years, you're already looking at po- a generation switch. You know? My own personal uh, prediction, and, and now it's, it's, it's out there. 2019, so okay, late 20, on. 2019. I think within seven years. Oh, we're gonna Halavai. I'm just making five to seven years. I think I think intermarriage is going to be changed. The the rule policy somewhere. There's going to be some relaxation of it, and it's and to me that is the near future. That that's a short horizon. You think we're gonna see um, a relaxing of the rule. I, I really hope so. I really, really, really. <laughs> okay. I'm saying Would like this another drink because I really. Yeah find it imperative, critical, that if anyone with any power... But how do you really feel about it, Penny? You need to... Okay, all right, allow, okay. Allow the tent to be widened. Okay, so speaking we of the tent being widened... I'm going to widen my gullet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, our next round of drinks is here. It is time for us to wrap things up. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the episode and that you will join us in person sometime for a round of old fashions, which Penny would be would be too happy to treat for. Right? Always, right, Penny? yeah, I'm happy to treat. Good. So the next time you're with us, the drinks, drinks are, are on us. us.